Hello, I'm Katherine Boyle. Key Ministries' core values are connection, collaboration, and discipleship. One of the things we get to do is meet people doing great work in disability and mental health ministry. Today, I'm delighted to introduce our listeners to Katsugi Hope, a UK-based mental health ministry. Stay tuned for my conversation with Rachel Newham from Kintsugi Hope. Well, welcome to the Key Ministry Podcast. I'm Catherine Boyle, and I am delighted to introduce you today to Rachel Newham. Rachel works with an organization called Kintsugi Hope, and they are based in the UK. So um, I am just uh, delighted to be able to have this conversation. So welcome, Rachel, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, so tell me a little bit about you, Rachel, you know, who you are, um, how you came to be connected with Kintsugi Hope and, you know, kind of what Kintsugi Hope actually is and is is all about. My whole kind of working life really has been around the area of faith and mental health. Um, I have lived with a mental illness since I was 14. And at, when I was doing my Bible college studies, when I was in my late teens, had this real sense that actually we've got to speak into the space of, of mm. mental health in the church. We've got to um, become literate theologically, I think, mm-hmm. when we come to speak, think about mental health. And so I um, founded and ran um, an organisation for a decade, um, which basically we just travelled around churches preaching um, and delivering mental health training mm-hmm. kind of uh, nationally across across England and um, Scotland in the end, I think. I'm not quite sure we got to... Uh, Wales or Northern Ireland during the pandemic things changed and I had a young family and so kind of when it came for for that to finish I had been friends with Patrick and Diane Regan who are the founders of Kintsugi Hope okay and they they had a meeting with lots of mental health Christian leaders in the UK Um, and the the thing was okay it's great that Kintsugi Hope is seeking to provide safe and supportive spaces which is what we do we run Mm -hmm. a 12-week well-being groups and um, but what happens when the church itself isn't a safe and supportive space? Mm-hmm. And it kind of stopped everybody in their tracks, really. And what happened from that was then this idea of a mental health friendly church project that actually we kind of go, we go back a step and we have a think and look at, at what the Bible has to say about mental health and how we can make our churches places that actually are are supportive and not condemnatory of, of mental health and mental illness in particular. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Well, so what so what are the three main priorities of Kintsugi Hope? Because I know you guys do some very specific things, um, you know, within your organization. You mentioned one just a second ago, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But but yeah, what are those three main priorities? So our vision really is to see a world where mental and emotional health are um, accepted and understood with safe and supportive spaces um, for everybody. Um, And then within that, the the Mental Health Friendly Church Project, which is what I'm in charge of, um, is to elevate understanding, eradicate stigma and encourage compassion within church communities around issues of of, of mental health. Um, And we do that through the mental health, uh, Kintsugi Hope Wellbeing Groups um, and then through our Mental Health Friendly Church Training Days. Okay, wonderful. Well, and so you guys are based in the UK and, and you know, we're in the US um, and, and probably most of our followers are, are familiar with like support groups that, 
you know, that we're connected with in the U.S., like Fresh Hope for Mental Health and Mental Health Grace Alliance, just to name a couple. It sounds to me like Kintsugi Hope's well-being groups are kind of similar. So tell me a little bit about those groups. Like, do you guys have a curriculum that you've developed? Do you use other materials? You know, are they online? Are they in person? You know, like, you know, how, how do these groups work? They're peer-led, so there's kind of no no one standing at the front teaching in that sense, and very much discussion-based. We have churches who sign up as partners to work alongside us, um, and then the churches kind of really take ownership of the group. Um, There's a set 12-week curriculum, if you like, Mm -hmm. the kind of with topics from healthy relationships to anger, depression, grief, um, uh, anxiety, and some others. And so churches can can run those things, but. And then they have a bank of resources that they can kind of pick and choose um, the activities and the exercises that are going to be most helpful within their setting, a kind of a big database that does that for us. And the idea is to, to make it as personalizable as possible. Mm-hmm. They run everywhere from prisons to mother and toddler groups to kind of church small groups. And so obviously the needs differ really drastically right. across that. Um, and right. so we wanted the material to be as dynamic as possible. Mm-hmm. And, as, and originally they they were designed just originally to, to be in person and um, but they launched in um January 2020 um, wow what timing <laughs> indeed so within three months um obviously everything had changed and everyone was right. thinking that's it um but our wonderful tech um guy pivoted everything online all our training all of our resources um and so actually probably for the first two years of the well-being groups 2020 2021 the majority were happening online right Um, and now over the last sort of 18 months or so we're seeing more and more in person and some run in a hybrid way um, and do a bit online and a bit in person we recently piloted one amongst those who have chronic illnesses which was all online which was was brilliant because it was so accessible for them and it obviously means that people can access a group a lot quicker um, because they don't necessarily have to be geographically close. Right. And and that's something that we talk about too, is that, you know, that, you know, do not drop those online options just because, you know, we're, we're able to be in person again. It's been so meaningful for so many people to be able to connect like that. Definitely. So, so are you all just operating in the UK or like, can others outside the UK start one of your groups? Like, how does that work? So at the moment, the groups were only registered registered as a charity in the UK um, mm-hmm. so um, we can only have kind of UK church partners um, and organizational partners at the moment um, but anybody can access our resources so we have a podcast and we have the project that I run which is the mental health friendly church project which is a very long name um, yeah. <laughs> we, um, we've released recently released a paper on the theology of mental health just to to get people thinking and get people get people to have a language for mental health really mm-hmm. within their churches and charting the the story of scripture through the lens of, of faith and mental health and we're just in the process of developing a resource um, around this concept of gentle presence which is something that mm-hmm. has, we've kind of come up with in, in research and things to we're using something called the polyvagal theory um, oh yes yes in the way our nervous system works and actually how god has designed us so beautifully um in that actually when we look at scripture and we look at um the way our nervous system works the things that god directs us to do are beneficial for our nervous system yeah what Um, a a concept right (laughs) i know you know we need that gentleness and i think you know in the world we live in today gentleness has never been more 
more necessary. Yes, yes. So when I first learned about your ministry, I'm not sure it was our first conversation or something I saw online, but one of the things that we advocate is a, a very important first step is to really understand you know, what is the theology of disabilities and in, in, as a disabilities as a broad concept, you know, mental health more specifically. So, I mean, that's like step one and our own website about, you know, how churches can, you know, get on board with disability slash mental health ministry. So tell me a little bit more detail about the theology of mental health that you have, have created. I mean, I've read the document. I think it's really well done. And, you know, I'd love to know like kind of who the target audience is for this and, you know, and some of the main ideas. Yeah. So the target audience really was for, for people who would never pick up a book about theology. Mm. So someone who would think, you know, theology isn't for them or it's just not kind of applicable to their life Mm. and actually introduce it in a way that I, you know, I am a, a theologian at heart that's my my training my background is in theology and I believe that actually we all theology has become so marginalized in academia and right. it is living and breathing and in, in right. the word of God so at my real desire for for the paper was that it was as accessible as was humanly possible to make it mm-hmm. and part of the so what we do throughout the the paper is look at shalom and so that that concept of wholeness and well-being but also look at it through the lens of home um kintsugi um is about safe spaces and at its best you know home was designed for to be the safest place possible it isn't so many people but that's what it was made for you know i love that actually in in the creation narratives god creates homes before he creates inhabitants he creates Mm. the before he creates the fish and so that concept that actually we have that first home in Eden we lose it and and the Israelites spend many years kind of finding and regaining their home through that experience of exile and that experience of exile really resonated with me in terms of what mental illness feels like as an Mm -hmm. experience of exile Mm -hmm. and then Jesus being opening up a new possibility of hospitality Mm -hmm. Um, that actually the way in which he interacted with people was was one in which there was no power and there was as little power imbalance as as was possible you know he Mm -hmm. he invited people into his home he made himself welcome in their homes but ultimately he pointed to the recreation of 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 a new home and a new heaven and a new earth and so Mm -hmm. the thread of that being that if we if we come home to god you know, our mental illness isn't necessarily going to be cured, but we will find healing there, even if we don't right. find a cure. Right. You will find shalom, you know, yes. which is wholeness as a person, as, as much as any person can attain wholeness, the side of eternity. Yeah, definitely. So, so, you know, we, we talk about mental health. I mean, that's a term that you just hear all the time in culture and in the work that we do, you know, and I just mentioned that, you know, that we can find shalom, you know, in, in, you know, understanding, um, you know, kind of what Christ came to do for all of us. Um, but, but when you guys talk about mental health and we talk about shalom, I mean, describe in just a little bit more detail, what that means to you or to Kintsugi Hope, because I think that's such an important perspective and, and maybe if churches can kind of grab hold of that, they can see more clearly what their role can be the work of mental health. Yeah. And so 
we have adopted the the kind of language of what's called the mental health continuum, which is whereby, you know, everybody has mental health in the same way that everybody has physical health. But equally, it's not just a case where some have mental illness and some don't. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it is a continuum. So, you know, at one point in the, the continuum, you have somebody who has no mental illness and positive well-being and that's great and that's probably where we'd all like to be but probably mm-hmm. aren't all the time mm-hmm. then we have people who don't have mental illness but have poor mental well-being and that's where a lot of us live a lot of the time you know you might be grieving you might be struggling with childcare. you might be doing you know all the stuff of life that hurts mm-hmm. and right. responding to that with sadness with worry with anxiety but actually that not being a mental illness right and not mistaking very healthy human emotion for mental illness is is vital we we think and then we kind of go into where severe mental illness meets poor mental well-being so people we I guess the people you think about when you think about mental illness people who have severe mental illnesses and who who aren't able to live a life that that perhaps they dreamed of and that doesn't mean they can't live a good life but actually they're they're struggling at that time they might be in crisis and then right at the top of the diagram is this this bit that gives me the most hope, which is where severe mental illness meets positive mental well-being in that actually just because you have mental illness doesn't mean you can never have well-being. Mm-hmm. And you know, with medication, with counsel, with prayer, with all of those things that are good for our mental health, you can still live and you can still flourish even living with under the diagnosis of mental illness. Yeah, I and think so there's so many examples of that. And, 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 you know, that's kind of like not the natural thing to think about when you think about somebody who lives with mental illness, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's entirely possible to have a life that is meaningful and impactful in spite of having a mental health challenge or a mental illness. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important for us to, to recognize that, that actually it's not a case that, you know, you'll become a Christian and your mental illness will go away. Right. right. For some people, you know, that for might sure. happen, experience that, that miraculous cure, but for, for most people, actually, they're going to have to hold those two intention and that actually healing comes when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter Shalom, that doesn't mean we have a removal of the diagnosis, but but that we do have the presence of, of Jesus and, right. and the, the kind of aroma, I guess, of his shalom in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we believe that's really important to, to kind of keep sharing the hope of that, that our hope isn't just in the thick. So tell us a little bit more about this idea of reimagining home. I mean, I, I really love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that you mentioned or you alluded to a few minutes ago that, you know, home is not always a wonderful place for every person. So I think that this concept of reimagining what home is can really, you know, maybe be very impactful for folks. So to you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it's actually something I, I first began to think of. I ran a campaign in, in my previous work called the Sanctuary Campaign, um, just about that looking back to sanctuary in, in the Old Testament was, you know, the, the holiest of holies. It was the place where you, you met that the priest only got to go a couple of days a year that you met mm. with God. And yet when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two that separated the holiest of holies where you got to meet God from, from kind of the, the rest of the temple. And actually that sense that Jesus reimagines that because he allows us to meet God in a new way. Before Jesus, there was, you know, we had the temple system, we had the sacrifices and, and yet 
Jesus took that for, for us. Right. And in it, he gives us this, this relationship with God that we couldn't have any other way. It's one that he gives us a taste of, in, you know, Jesus himself was not a man who had no troubles, you know, exactly sorrows a lot of the time, the fulfillment of shalom. Um, he's the fulfillment of well-being, which means that actually he he responds emotionally to things. Yeah. But he's not overpowered by emotion. He doesn't he doesn't make rash decisions. He, yes. he holds his emotion and his faith, yes. his identity completely in tandem in a way that possibly we never can, but in a way yeah. that points to to what will be one day. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. Well, so when you and I talked a couple months ago, you mentioned the need for in-between places. So what, what do you mean by that? And, and, you know, what, what do listeners need to know about, you know, how churches are stepping in to meet this need? Yeah, I think certainly in, in the UK, the the mental health provision is so stretched that actually, unless you're really, really poorly, it's going to be really difficult to access kind of mental health care on, on, on the lo- in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that churches should, you know, suddenly pretend and act as, they, as if they were psychiatrists or psychologists. Right. But it means making space for well-being within your churches. So that whether that's, you know, running a peer support group or you know, using a resource like Sanctuary um, Mental Health Ministries resources. It's it's about carving out that space to, to talk about mental health and to talk about it theologically as well. That in-between space where actually we are holding hope for somebody, possibly can't hold it for themselves. Yes. Um, you might be doing all the, the, the pastoral care stuff that we do naturally, you know, the bringing meals, the, the collecting children, all of that stuff. But we do it because we want to show the love of God in, in a really practical way. And yes. that between way being, you know, it's not okay at the moment and it's not okay. And it's not, it is okay that it's not okay, but we want, we pray for more. Yes. Um, and we want to do as much to alleviate the, the suffering that people are going through, whether that be practical or praying with somebody or just having a chat or just sitting in silence with somebody um, right. and meeting people where they are rather than expecting them to, kind of come to church with their traditional Sunday best, but allowing them to come, come as they are. Yeah. It's, it's much more of a, a go versus a, you know, come here. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, ministry of presence, as you mentioned, is so important in all of this, you know, just being able to, you know, be a listener and it can mean the world of difference for people. So, yeah. well, as we wrap up our conversation, what are just one or two ways that ministry leaders can make a meaningful difference in their churches for individuals and families who have mental health challenges this year. I'm sure there's many things that they could do, but just a couple of simple things that probably most church leaders could do. I think the first and most important one I would say is include mental illness in your intercessory prayers. When you're, you know, praying at the, up the front on a Sunday um, for your congregation um, Pray for those who are living with mental illnesses. Pray for the services. Pray for the charities that are seeking to support people. Allow that to become a really vocal part of your prayer life and your kind of corporate prayer life. And the second thing to do with prayer is is allow space for lament. You know, Mm -hmm. 40% of the Psalms are lament. We've got a whole book of lamentations and we only use one verse of it so often. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but actually make that space we you know we within the church year there there is kind of there's that period of advent where we're waiting in the dark and the period of lent where we're waiting for holy week and actually they're great opportunities if you are unfamiliar with lament to to practice mm-hmm. and you know use the psalms as your prayer book to say you know my god my god why have you forsaken me you know right lift me out of this slimy pit use that language and get familiar with it so that people know they don't just have to bring you know their shiny prayers of thanks to god they can bring the the heartbreak as well and i think alongside kind of getting some education and and awareness around specific mental illnesses those are the two things that that i think can make a real impact in in making our churches places that people who are struggling feel more comfortable that's that's fantastic. Yeah, we've talked about lament a little bit, but that is a that is a very underappreciated aspect of Christian life and in uh, the scripture, as you said. But in, in the end result of lament is actually hope. It's it's you know it's actually to increase the um, your capacity for hope and seeing that that God is with you and that He's got a plan through the circumstances. So we are going to share. Kintsugi Hope information in our show notes. Rachel, is there anything else you'd like to share in the way of a resource to point people to? We're, you know, we're, we're going to share your theology of mental health and in just a couple different links, but anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. And I, I guess if people want to know a little bit more about my own story and kind of how I, how I developed my theology of mental health in the midst of, of mental illness and um, my book learning to breathe is available on amazon and kind of um, places like that so yeah wonderful okay well we'll definitely include that in the show notes as well so rachel thank you so much for taking your time i really appreciate it and and it's exciting to see the good work that's being done you know not just with what we're familiar with here in the u.s but in other places around the world as well so thank you so much rachel thank you Rachel and the Kintsugi Hope team are doing excellent work, and I encourage you to learn more about them and explore their resources that we discussed using the links in our show notes. One last thing, if you value the work we do, give this podcast a five-star review and share it on your social media. We appreciate your support. For the Key Ministry team, thanks for listening to the Key Ministry Podcast.